0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day. Joint practices are here for the Minnesota Vikings. We preview those and take fan questions on today's mailbag edition of the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome into the Minnesota Football Party on a Reggie Wilson Wednesday. The Care Eleven Sports Director and Anchor joins us every Wednesday and Friday. He's on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and Luke Inman, right hand man at Luke underscore Spinman, NFL Draft Buzz Newsletter author. He's with us as well. We've got. Plenty of fan questions to get to today, including a look at the 2025 roster, a trade proposal for another running back, and Andrew Booth's precarious spot on the roster. All of that and plenty more on
2: today's Minnesota football party. Reggie Wilson, what's up, my man? What's happening? What's happening? Good to be back in the saddle. Let's do this. We got joint practices today. I'm excited about that.
1: Got to get fired up for that. You'll be out there. I'll be out there. So tomorrow on the football party with Arif Hasan, Luke Braun will have the full rundown of the joint practices. Uh, Luke Inman, how are you doing this morning?
0: Doing very good, Sam. You mentioned hard knocks. I missed episode two last night. Excited to go check that
1: out tonight. So no spoilers today. (laughs) Speaking of hard knocks, we didn't get any Dalvin Cook footage yet. Maybe next week, maybe the week after that. But the Jets bringing in a running back to add to their stable dalvin cook uh let's get your quick knee-jerk thoughts on the dalvin cook signing in new york for a reported 8.6 million dollars i assume that is incentive laden so let's assume it's five or six uh luke Inman, what did you make of that partnership between dalvin and new york
0: yeah, I think the fit makes a ton of sense. Super Bowler bust, they pushed all their chips all in when they went and traded for Aaron Rodgers. Now you got a superstar in the backfield as well. That's exciting on paper. For me, the logistics, the money, was it really worth for the Vikings' point of view and lens? They offered him around seven and change, it sounded like. Um, and you're right, Sam, the incentives play a big factor and role into this whole equation as well, because at the end of the day, if it's only about five or six, Boy, that, that really makes you think, and we'll see how this 2023 season plays out with Madison and that running back committee, but to lose a guy that special and just kind of a face of the franchise the last four or five years for really in the big scheme when you're working with, you know, a $200 million cap, you're talking about. Nickels and dimes. That's going to be a head scratcher for a while, but we'll see how it all plays out. A lot of these teams are going with this running back by committee rotation. So it just may be a tough pill to swallow to see him in a Jets uniform these first few games. But once we get past that and the dust settles, maybe this is best for the team and a team building lens for Kwesi in the long run. We'll see how it all plays out.
1: Yeah, that could be a crazy one two punch with Brees Hall and it's small sample size, but. 5.8 yards per carry last year in yeah. 80 attempts. He and Dalvin, um, I mean, that, that could be exactly what Dalvin needs to is another back who can really be efficient next to him and uh, take some workload off him. Uh, quick thoughts, Reggie, on the Dalvin signing.
2: Yeah, I think it's a pretty good move for the Jets. I think um, there's just, man, it almost seems like there's not enough ball to go around. Mm-hmm. You know, they got all these weapons for Aaron Rodgers on the outside. You know, I was looking at how, you know, they have Garrett Wilson and then they signed Alan Lazard. And then, like I saw on Hard Knocks last week, I was like, oh, yeah, they got Randall Cobb, too. Like, goodness gracious. He's got the the two tight ends. Brees Hall coming back off the ACL. Kansas
0: City, too. Yeah. Like,
2: like, yeah, McColl. Yeah, it's like, goodness gracious. How many many guys are really going to get theirs, you know? So I I think it's going to be interesting to see how they – mesh everything together on offense and cook fits in really well with what they're trying to do. You got a home run hitter hitter type of a guy with Dalvin cook to go along with breeze hall, who, you know, before the injury was dynamic. So I think that kind of helps maybe bring him on a little bit slowly so that he's not trying to do too much coming off that ACL and Dalvin gets a chance to, you know, really thrive in an offense that, you know, when, when you think about the offense in in Green Bay, when they had Jones and Dylan, like they were a great one-two punch. So Hackett has the the history of knowing what to do with multiple backs. So it should be a good thing for him.
1: Speaking of Jets running backs, let's get to our first Twitter question, courtesy of Don John Don Julio. Um, Should the Vikings call the Jets about Zonovan Knight and offer a sixth round pick? Quick background on Zonovan Knight. They call him Bam. That's enough for me to trade for him right there. If you're trading for Bam Knight. Undrafted out of North Carolina State. Last year for the Jets, 85 carries, 300 yards, a touchdown, 3.5 yards per attempt. Not blown away, but you would be getting a 22-year-old running back with a couple of years left of team control. And I think uh, you know he'd be RFA after that. So you could have him for a while. And you do like to collect young running backs in this league. What do you think of Zonovan Knight, Luke Inman? I think there might be too many cooks in the kitchen right
0: now, as it is. You know, we talked about before training camp, trying to project our 53-man projections. And the big thing that I went back to compared to last year is that they're already down a roster spot, knowing that they're going to have to keep an extra quarterback. So you trade for this guy. All right, who's out? That makes things really tough. And it's nothing personal against Zonovan Knight. Bam was really fun to watch last year versus the Jets. In fact, versus the Vikings later in the season, he looked pretty good up close and personal. I just think right now there's already too many cooks in the kitchen. When you look at it in the big picture, sure, a six-rounder, maybe you talk him down to a seventh-round pick even. That's not that much as far as compensation goes, but as far as an extra roster spot, I think that's where it really kind of bites you in the butt and you really have to bite the bullet somewhere and drop somebody else from that 53-man roster. So that would make things really tough i think once we get down to cut days here in the next two weeks yeah
1: red your thoughts
2: yeah i think when they brought kareem hunt in for a visit that got people's will spinning about a running back Mm -hmm. but i think um the the issue is is i think maybe people are just not fully sold on what exactly is going to happen it's like they've been pumping madison pumping madison pumping madison since what really like OTAs really um and his ability and what he could do. And now we're we're kind of getting down to it here and the season's, you know, weeks away and people are like, well (laughs) another running back couldn't hurt, you know, but it's just like, yeah, that that room is full already, especially when Kane gets back up to speed and gets healthy and, and you drafted Dwayne McBride and you got uh, Madison and the emergence of Chandler like where does Donovan of fit? I think it's a little too inside baseball of a of a thought. I, somebody's really in that in that war room uh in their in their home or or wherever they they that's scout cool. players to to I don't know, that that's a random kind of trade that that you know, is brought up but you know, obviously that's someone who has been on the mind of of um of our guy who, who submitted the question.
1: Yeah. I just think the, the compensation suggested is where it's, that's what gets me in addition to the stables already full, but I wouldn't give up a six round pick for a, you know, third string running back for New York. I would, I would much rather find a guy on the street like Kareem hunt and not have to give up draft compensation. Um, I just don't think that it's worth giving up anything for a running back in today's day and age in the NFL. So you can find them everywhere. Uh, there's always going to be guys available that you can pick up for cheap without having to give up any draft picks. So that's that's kind of the hang-up for me as well on Zonovan Knight. And hey, the, the Jets are in the same situation, right? They want to have a stable of young running backs too. Dalvin Cook is probably not going to be around that many years. He might be one and done in New York. Zonovan Knight, he'll be there beyond Dalvin Cook, I would assume. So that's someone they might want to keep in their stable as well. Uh, We move on. Let's go to Michael Chow, longtime friend of the show. We appreciate Michael. Who do you think will still be on the roster in two years from the Spielman draft era, disregarding Mm. the obvious starters like Jefferson, Derrissaw, O'Neal? Do you think Bradbury, Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham have a chance? Does Lewis Seen take over? And Seen's not in uh, that draft era, but does Seen take over for Bynum or Metellus ever um, or any backup O-line stay. So let's take that one at a time. So Spielman draft era, um, who will linger on? Will they keep any of Spielman's guys back? Uh- Other than the obvious. Luke Inman, you're the draft guy. Let's give you the first crack.
0: Quick sidebar. Did you guys ever see the stat that came out this offseason about the hit rate of every GM and just the amount of picks they've drafted that were still active in the NFL, no matter the team? So just for example, when Spielman drafted Daniel Carlson, right? Zimmer cut him two weeks into the season and then he went on to become a top five kicker. But that's a point for Spielman because he nailed the pick. He found the talent. He did his part, and that's all you can do as a GM. That's a win for Rick Spielman. Cordero Patterson, another guy, still cooking in Atlanta. That's a hit. Uh, There's a ton of them. J. Ron Kirsten, Dallas. uh, Eric Kendricks, Diggs, Conklin. Marcus Epps. There's tons of them. Teddy Bridgewater just signed in the division. Anyways, you go through all those picks. You stack them up next to every other GM in the league. Spielman was top five. Top five in the league. That guy was elite. That's my Spielman... That's my Spielman rant your Spiel. For the day. That's your That's spiel, my spiel. There you on go. On Spielman. And um, by the
1: way, another good nugget from Matthew Collar's book, Football's yeah. Numbers Game, go pre order now. Yep. Um, Rick Spielman talking about his draft process. Mm. Luke, you would absolutely love it. I'll screenshot you the wow. page about Rick talking about how they had a library of 15 years of picks and like every trait was marked. And they would basically be able to duplicate resumes and say, okay, We've got this guy who runs this 40. He's got wow. these arms and he's got a medical concern. Well, we have eight examples of that in the last 15 years, and this is how they turned out. Like very, very meticulous. Wow. I thought I love you'd appreciate it. that. Yeah. yeah,
0: I absolutely love it. Can't wait to check that out. Um, you wanted to go one by one, was it? Did you did you mention a few names already? Um I, mean, I, yeah, I, I, so I can pull up the list here. Like, I'll guys, I'll read like them N-A. off. This is who's yeah. left. Yeah, yep. this
1: is who's left. 2017 is done. Now okay. that Dalvin's gone. So 2018, Brian O'Neill, he's obviously signed yep. long-term. The rest are done. 2019, uh, Bradbury, Madison, and that's it. Then 2020, Ezra. Cleveland, Wanham, um, Lynch is hurt, Troy Dye, Osborne, uh, Metellus. So, so those guys are all in the contract years, right? Yeah, uh, Is that is that enough for you, Patrick Jones?
0: Okay, we're good. Yeah, yep. overloaded. All right. Uh, uh, Madison, out of all the ones that you mentioned, I think might be the toughest for me because it really depends on how much McBride... This is two years down the road, correct? Not next mm-hmm. year, but two years mm-hmm. down the road. Kind of depends on how much McBride develops the next two years. If he looks like a pro's pro, can handle all those duties to be a starter, and I think they keep that cycle going then. You let these guys walk every few years. You keep drafting these guys on day three every year. So I think Madison, I would lean towards he will be gone once that two years runs out Bradbury I think it's really tough to find serviceable centers right now in fact the offensive line play across the entire NFL is absolutely famished right now it's depleted so as up and down as he's been as inconsistent as we've seen him uh, if they can retain him for a fair deal again in two years and not break the bank, I think they'll lean more towards keeping him than replacing him and, and then having to use another early pick on a center. Uh, Ezra, I think he's gone because the price take next offseason is going to be mm-hmm. too much for them. Uh, again, offensive line play is down. That means these guys' price take gets pushed up a little bit. I think somebody's going to pay Ezra Cleveland a pretty substantial deal somewhere around the league that the Vikings aren't just going to be able to match but good news is they got Blake Brandle. He'll step right into that left guard spot in 2024 and at least give him the first crack at it. That's my gut. Um, who else we got? Troy Die gone. KJ Osborne, yeah. hate to say it, gone. He'll command too much money next offseason. Yeah. Um, Patrick Jones... I think they keep him. I think he's a nice, affordable third pass rusher in this rotation. I think Wanham is gone. I think he can only keep one of those two guys. I think they lean Patrick Jones is a little bit younger. I think Luigi Velain and Patrick Jones are still your backup edge rushers in two years. Because right now, they got no one else in the pipeline. You got Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport, both free agents next year. I think they're going to keep those two guys. Cam Bynum? I think the knee-jerk reaction for a lot of people listening is that, okay, he'll be gone. There's too many cooks in the kitchen back there at safety. But the more you think about it, Harry's going to hang it up soon. Josh Metellus may be kind of capped as a sub-package guy or third safety, and we still don't know what we got with Lewisine yet. So I think Cam Bynum may be a little bit more likely to still be around in 2025 than I think, you know, if we had some Vegas odds up here right now, Sam, that would say uh, he'd probably be likely long gone by then. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what uh, Reggie thinks about a few of
2: those guys.
1: Yeah, that that 2020 class is the most intriguing. All these guys entering contract years for sure. Reggie?
2: Yeah, I think – I think I'd just go Cam Bynum. Uh, he's probably the, the one who's most likely to stick around uh, in, a, in a couple of years just because you you just kind of look at his production. You look at how he's basically gotten better each and every year that he's been out there. And so I think he's a, he's a player that they could kind of build around. And if Louis Seen becomes the heir apparent to Harry, you got him on one side and Bynum on the other side, I think that's a pretty good safety duo. And so I see him being a guy who has kind of blossomed and continues to ascend with the Vikings. And in two years, I, I could see him still being the starting safety on one side.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, look, look at this, guys. Two coaching staffs have never wavered in their support of Cam Bynum. The first coaching staff came in, and as a rookie, they had the conviction to say, you're going to be a safety and you're going to play for us. Like they knew it instantly. It didn't take them long. It was an Ivan Pace situation, right? Where there was clearly something and they put him in spots to succeed very early. And then he started in place of Harrison Smith that year, a couple games. Um, so that coaching staff gave him their full support. The next coaching staff never wavered. We have a first round pick. We just drafted, but we're still going to start. cambine them next year comes around. We're still going to start. Can them. Like they've never at all been wobbly in their support. They've never had him rotate reps like he's the guy. So I think it's more likely that if Lewis Seen turns into something, he replaces Harrison Smith and Harrison Smith could, could hang it up. He could retire after this year. I think he wants to retire a Viking and he's hinted at that. Uh, like when he resigned, he did talk about how I think he feels like that his career is kind of reaching that finite point where he might just walk off into the sunset. So it could be a scene Bynum, Future at safety uh, for the Minnesota Vikings and Josh Metellus contract year. I mean, he could play himself into a nice little salary. Ezra Cleveland. I was just uh, looking at some salaries here. Inman, where do you think Cleveland ranks in like amongst guards in the NFL? Just let's say there's 60 starting guards. Give it. Give me a number. Where do you think he's at? What if, number? I think he is slightly above average. I'll say 28th. 28th. Okay, so 16. 18, 20, 22, 24. So 28th best guard in the league or highest paid guard makes $4 million a year. I tend to think that Cleveland's going to get paid closer to 8 to 10. Like the, the top 14 guards in the league all make $10 million or more. And I just think that he's going to get overpaid. I just think there's a demand. Yeah, he's young too. He's young.
0: You know, the 27th guard might be, you know, hey, I'm a little bit better, but I'm 33 years old at this point. I don't know. So Mm -hmm. coming out of that first contract definitely plays a factor as well. Yeah, all these guys are going to start to get really overpaid, I think. I'm surprised Bradbury ended up getting inked for as cheap as he did. Really, we may look back on that in a year or two and say, man, that ended up being a pretty good deal. Mm
1: Yeah, I mean, there's clearly been a priority to keep this offensive line together. Even the backups, even the Schlottmans, even the Chris Reeds, you know, just for the continuity's sake. We'll see if that strategy continues into the future next year where they have a decision on Cleveland. They'll obviously have a decision on all the backups. And I want to say Bradbury is kind of year to year with this deal as well. I don't think he's locked in contractually. They could cut him. If things didn't go well, so we'll see how how committed they are to that, and they may have to extend Christian Dariusaw after this year. Maybe next year, though, they can use that fifth year option and and draw that out a bit. Uh, thanks can for we the just question. Clone
0: Christian Dariusaw and have him play a couple different positions. That
1: would yeah. be nice. Yeah, that'd yeah. be that'd be awesome. Yeah, can we can right. we get a guard? Can we get a guard in here that's just reliable? You know, from day one. We're not complaining about them. He's not putting Kirk on his back. He's not stepping on Kirk's feet. Can we get that in Minnesota? Yeah,
0: the, please? The old boy. We took those Steve Hutchinson days for granted there, didn't we? And the, obviously, Randall McDaniel, we've talked a lot about him this summer. Man, that would be nice, Sam. That would be nice.
1: Steve Hutchinson paving the way for Chester Taylor. and Adrian Here's
0: my favorite Peterson. guard in the NFL, and then we can move on. Quentin Nelson. What do you think Quentin Nelson cost in a draft compensation? What do you think?
1: A first First and third. I'm guessing he's the about first. 27, 28 now. Is that? Oh, well, that was he's the same Darnold draft. 26, actually, according to Spotrack. I would guess he is a one, but probably not that much more than a one because he's a guard. Might be worth it. You used a second on Ed Ingram last year. I'm just saying. I'm sure the Colts are looking to part with their best offensive lineman when they have a rookie quarterback starting. That's what I'm saying. Hey,
0: they didn't want to to pay Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running
1: backs, if not the best running back in the league. So, yeah, why not? Beautiful. I love it. Uh, Before we get into our next question, we'll be talking about the coaching staff, uh, and we'll be talking about Andrew Booth's precarious spot. I'm going to tell you about FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook. Great promotion going on right now at FanDuel. I mean, you can pretty much lock in the Kansas City Chiefs to win, what, 12 games a year? Like, guaranteed? Well, if you bet the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, a plus 600, then you will get bonus bets back every time they win during the regular season. That's what you can do right now at FanDuel. And plenty more great promotions at FanDuel.com slash on or the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's the best place to wager for football season. It's America's number one sportsbook for a reason, because it's so easy to use. It's safe. It's secure. You get paid instantly when you win. And you can browse all these NFL futures. You can bet who wins the conference, who wins the division. You've got special bets for every team. You can bet on season awards. Let's see what Kirk Cousins is to win the MVP. do to do 50-to-1. That's not a bad bet. Lay that down at FanDuel today. FanDuel. Make every moment more. FanDuel.com slash on. All right, Reggie, let's kick it to you. We got a question about Andrew Booth Jr. from Ted Glover. Is Andrew Booth Jr. in danger of not making the final fifty-three man roster
2: at this point? Reggie, talk us off the ledge. First off, shout out to Ted. Uh we we follow each other on the I was gonna say Twitter, X, whatever it'll always be Twitter. Anyway, uh um, great follow. So It's way too soon to give up on Booth. Way too soon. He wasn't healthy last year. You got to at least let him play out uh, at least a year or two healthy to try to see what you can have with him. The problem is, is the tape that we have on him so far is not very good. I remember last year in training camp, he was a little bit handsy. And and a little bit more physical than maybe he should have been, um beyond the whistle, if you if you will. And and then th- he suffers the injury. And then this season, in my mind, it will just I, I need some new things to just fill my mind because I just cannot get out of my head. Uh oh is Bobo Bobo! like (laughs) oh my gosh it's like and and Andrew Booth is just over there like cussing at himself like because he gave up this this route to I've never heard of this Bobo dude before and and Booth is a is a you know a premium draft pick at this point Mm -hmm. that should not happen and so I don't know what it what it will take to turn it around but I don't know if he just needs some more reps. He just needs to be more healthy and play a little bit more because it just looked like he had no legs. Like that dude just flat out beat him on that route. And that continues to stick out for me. And I'm just interested to see if he's going to continue to get playing time into like the second, third quarter of these preseason games. He needs the reps, but you also just want to be cautious because he is susceptible to injury. And so I, I don't, I don't know that you give up on him. You, I don't think you give up on a on a second-round pick after only a year and some change, but he mm-hmm. needs to start turning a little bit of a corner. It's, it's really concerning.
0: I think it'd be one thing if Booth's been totally healthy and he's looked as bad as he has in the few reps that we've seen him, right? But the fact that he's been so hobbled these first two years, I think it kind of forces you to pump the brakes and say, okay, we really don't have a 100% totally accurate depiction and analysis on him yet until he can string together at least some a few months, back-to-back months, you know, 8, 10, 12 weeks of healthy football together and build some real momentum. I truly believe momentum is a real thing for some of these NFL players when they're constantly getting hurt and hobbled. It's tough to build that momentum up and regain your confidence more mentally than anything. I get the question, though. I think it's starting to become more and more of a real discussion, but because we haven't seen him Healthy enough, I think, to this point. It's still too early to Cup 8 and only year two. I think no matter what happens this year, even if he doesn't play another down, he's still going to get a fair crack once again in 2024. That will be the big and potentially final test for him in kind of a make it or break it year in year three in 2024.
1: I thought the Cam Dantzler move was a little bit interesting earlier this offseason. This was in March. When the Vikings released Cam Dansler. Now, this is a third round pick, but also a guy with, you know, a little bit of starting credibility in the league and a bunch of issues. I mean, not diagnosing what the offenses were showing, you know, mental lapses, injury issues, obviously, maybe some off the field stuff we aren't privy to as well. Um, but they showed that they're willing to cut bait <clears throat> with a third round pick, potential starter, someone who could contribute for you. Andrew Booth's issues, I think, are are largely health related at this point. I don't know if there's anything else beyond that. It's just a pretty it's a pretty significant issue. Um I don't know necessarily if like when he gets beaten by Bobo, if that is mental or physical. But when he's not on the field physically, that has to affect his ability to process this stuff mentally because he's just not getting the reps. He needs to be out there so he can practice. So he can get experience in reading offenses, defending receivers, like the the two work together. The more you're on the field, the sharper you're going to be mentally. And if he's not in the field, then he's I think, more susceptible to those mental breakdowns, uh, even when he is healthy. So that is the concern with Andrew Booth, But I, to answer Ted's question directly, I don't think they give up on him yet. I think they they let the year play out. And it's not as if they have a, a plethora of riches to backfill right mm-hmm. are you gonna are you gonna give that spot to tay gowan right are you gonna give it to naji thompson right and
0: there's that. no downside too. I mean, what does it hurt to just keep him around another mm-hmm. year i mean you're paying him peanuts on a rookie deal second round pick yeah. there's really no upside it doesn't feel like camp dansler by the way still a free agent
1: still out on the streets he's been nope. cut twice since he left the vikings that's crazy. What's he going on? He got cut with by camp? Washington and then, oh. I think, waived injured by the Bills, I want to say. Wow. Only 24 years old? Third-round pick? What? Yeah, again, two, three years ago? That's
0: crazy. That's um, wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. Just to finish how Reggie started, that PA call on Bobo. Just lives in my head rent-free. It was just absolutely hilarious. Unbelievable. We brought up how good PA was yesterday at Cannonberry, and you got to go check him out, calling the races. Now we bring him up today. Can't get enough of PA on this show, apparently, Sam.
1: Yeah, we're we're brown-nosing for a KFAN shout-out here. Come on, Paul. <laughs> Let's go. Um, <clears throat> last one, and a reminder, make sure you subscribe on YouTube for free. Lockdown Sports Minnesota, free and available wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. Comment below whether you think Andrew Booth Jr. is in danger. Um, Shane Jackson. Shane, we got to your question. Do you believe the Vikings have a Super Bowl contending coaching staff? Super Bowl contending coaching staff. KOC, Flores, Phillips, Matt Daniels, Reggie Wilson, what do you think?
2: Yes, and will the roster get them there is the, mm-hmm. is the question. Do they have the personnel to get them there? I saw a picture um, floating around. I think uh, NFL, they had uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase doing a, a commercial together. And then there was like, uh, I think PFF was like, what does an offense look like with these guys together? And LSU's like, uh, hold my crab oil. And so like they were they were together in this in this offense in college. And so but it was funny because now once that picture like kind of started floating out there, people started doing like Super Bowl odds. What are the odds that the Bengals and the Vikings play each other for the Super Bowl, which, look, I'm here for it. Like, I would love to see it. But. I just don't know if the Vikings have enough. I think there are so many people who are skeptical about how far this team can go this year. And that is kind of the big question from everybody. We we know the offense is going to be good. We know Flores is going to come through and, and scheme them up to, to be serviceable. But how good can they be? And I think the personnel would be the only thing that kind of stops. I think, you know, Kevin O'Connell took some lumps last year. And he's kind of figured some things out a little bit better in year two, and I think the offense is going to be a little bit smoother. I think the defense is going to, you know, continue to learn under Flores and and thrive as the as the season goes on. Thrive relatively to the talent there, I should say. But yeah. I just don't know. I don't know. I think Matt Daniels is going to be a head coach in the NFL one day. I think Flo is going to be again one day as well. They have the guys there. I think the personnel is is gonna is gonna be the determining factor in whether or not they go.
0: I'm with you, Reg. Like, I think KOC and Flores specifically are most definitely Super Bowl-worthy coaches. I just don't think it's this year, right? Like, if that makes sense. I I think they've both shown the ability to adapt to this new era of this past happy league of what the football looks like now. Plus, I think they both do a really good job of maximizing each player's unique skill set, which I think is two of the best attributes you can have in any head coach. So I, I think KOC probably needs... A little bit more seasoning, a little bit more experience under his belt, but the trajectory he's on, I definitely think he's got the goods to win it all one day. And, you know, just being such an elite offensive play caller and designer in this new offensive league, I think only helps his chances. Flores, I think he's already there as a defensive coordinator, in my book. You got to work under Bill Belichick. Then you got to work under Mike Tomlin. You got a little head coaching experience along the way. I think all that taught him what it means to be a Super Bowl winning coach. So I think those two got the goods for sure. Is the roster Super Bowl worthy, like Reggie said? I don't think so. They've lost too much talent and have too many unproven guys that you still you just have no idea what you're getting. So tough to bank on that. Um, But those two specifically, yes, those are Super Bowl-worthy coaches. And I'm with Reg. Like I really like what we've seen from Matt Daniels. Um, Who else is back there? Mm -hmm. Mike Rumpf, Keenan McCardell. I'm in love with. He's done a phenomenal job since he's been here developing these wideouts. So, yeah, good things as far as how fans should feel, I think, about the future of who's taking care of this roster when it comes to these
1: coaches. Yeah, a lot to like about the position coaches, a lot to like about the special teams coordinator. He's so charismatic, and he he could, he could coach himself into a bigger role someday. I think that with his age and his charisma, I think that he definitely is on the track to be one of those rare special teams to head coach jumps. Uh, he could make that someday. But I think the key is that Kevin O'Connell is a masterful communicator. He keeps his cool. And I think it's hard to see him letting go of the rope and just letting a locker room get out of control, letting a season spiral um, not getting the most out of his quarterback. I, I think that that's the most important facet here is that you've got a young head coach who seems to already have a really good grasp on what demeanor it takes to be a head coach in the league. And that is so important. So as the play sequencing and the technicalities of like how to scheme comes a little more easily to him, I think it's only going to get better. But I think he's got the the coaching bedside manner down, Pat, already. I think he knows what it takes to do that. And that's a huge feather in his cap. So, yeah, Shane, I think they're in a good spot coaching-wise. Might have a little revolving door at defensive coordinator going here if Brian Flores moves on, which he very well could. Um, and then they'll have to, you know, we'll see where they go from there. I would hope that they can... I mean, I hope that Brian Flores is taking someone under his wing right now, this year. I hope somebody is shadowing him. I don't know who, and it's a tough question to ask in a press conference, right? Hey, Brian, who's going to take your job? Who are you training to take your job next year? But I would love to know that. Like, what is the succession plan? Because they have to be eyes wide open about this thing, and everyone loves the defense. You don't want to change that next year, do you, right? I mean, that, that's that got to be the concern is that whoever comes next won't be able to duplicate uh, what Brian Flores is doing with this very complex scheme. So uh, ask us again next year, Shane, and we'll uh, we'll let you know how, what we think about the defense. But that's all today on the Minnesota Football Party. Reggie Wilson, what's going
2: on at CARE 11 tonight? Joint practices, baby. We're talking about Vikes, Titans. I'm actually... Uh, really excited to to see Derrick Henry in person for the first time, and see uh, DeAndre Hopkins in person um, again. After uh, we we saw him, I think what was it twenty the twenty twenty one season um, that incredible touchdown catch he had with Arizona. So we're talking about that. Twins, you know that was a that was a, a interesting game last night. It looked like it was going to be one of those games for them, and then. Boom, Royce Lewis. Boom, Matt Wallner, Pride of Forest Lake comes through with the grand slam, and he crushed that thing. So uh, interested to see how they continue to try to like. They got to beat up on these teams. There's a wild stat that I had yesterday in the show: one and seven against the Central since July 28. Seven and two against everybody else. So now they're two and seven mm. against the Central after last night's win.
1: Heating up, baby. Here we go. That's how it starts. What's the do we have magic number watch yet? What's the magic number? Clinton, it was division? funny.
2: I think it was like 40 the last time I looked.
1: All right, now yeah. we're in the 30s. Here we go. <laughs> 41 games to go. Uh, that's coming up at care 11 tonight. Reggie Wilson at Reggie Wilson TV. Luke Inman will join me, Arif Hassan, Luke Braun, Ron Johnson on the full Minnesota football party panel tomorrow talking joint practices with the Titans. I'm Sam Ekstrom saying so long today. It's the Minnesota football party on locked on sports, Minnesota. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this locked on podcast ad
2: free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.